Welcome to Politicus, the only podcast that discusses politics and public service from the Portuguese American perspective. Here we discuss everything from federal policy, local issues, and U.S. Portugal relations with the goal of driving more discussion and awareness of the issues affecting our nation, our community, and what we as Portuguese Americans can do about it. And now, Politicus. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Politicus. My name is Angela Simos, and I'm here with my esteemed, most awesome, it's my turn, Zanish, uh, most awesome community advocate and leader. When you have to, when you have to think of <laughs> adjectives, it's not sincere, okay? <laughs> so it, is a, it, is a, it is a pleasure to be here also with Madam Chair of the uh, Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States, Palkus, uh, the most awesome chairperson <laughs> whom I had to spend a fortune buying a microphone right. for. I wouldn't do that for too many other people. Well, in my defense, Denise, it's, uh, we're recording this at eight, eight in the morning and I haven't had my coffee yet. So, you know, the, uh, the okay. gears aren't quite <laughs> working just yet. But anyway, welcome. <laughs> Always good to do these with you, Denise. Uh, I've truly enjoyed them. Um, anyway, so our guest today is one of our younger guests. I'm quite excited to speak with her. Her name is Genevieve Azevedo. She is an extra help election specialist one with the County of Merced in California Office of Voter Registrar. So welcome, Genevieve. Hi. So we have typically uh, interviewed on this show people who are already uh, in elected office, and, and then we started to expand. And I think you're the first person from an office of voter registrar. And so um, excited to speak to you in that regard, but then also because you are a young person who has gotten involved, and that's one of our main messages that we try and, and communicate out through this podcast is trying to get young people uh, more involved in public service. That we would love to hear your story. You know, how did you get started? What got you interested in in uh, working for the Office of Voter Registrar? And then we'll kind of go from there and talk about you know your your current environment and you know you, what's your dialogue like with your peers and, and that sort of thing so but uh, please introduce yourself to our audience okay so my name's Genevieve Azevedo and um, like you said I work at Merced County Registrar of Voters I started as a student intern two years ago and I just got promoted to the election specialist um, one position as an extra help as well and what what is what does that entail? I mean, what is uh, if you don't mind describing us, you know, what to do us and to our audience, uh, um, what are some of the you know the daily tasks that one does in an elections office? Because I think people only think of the work that is done at uh, elections office at the county levels mm -hmm. when a, when election happens. So people think, okay, well, those people work the day of the election two days after, and then they don't do anything for the other three hundred some odd days. <laughs> So uh, t tell us a little bit what goes on and the process of elections uh, and, and what goes on in the office. Uh, I mean, obviously, without any, any secrets that we don't need to know about. But <laughs> what is the what is the daily routine in an elections office? Yeah, so um, there's a lot of different things that go on and there's um, people who have a lot of different responsibilities. I do know that during the whole of the election and even when the election is not happening, we are typically looking um, to update all voter registration, making sure that people who need to be canceled because they moved out of the county are canceled. 
and that basically all the information is typically up to date. Um, and then anything that is like a duplicate is merged together, which is something that continuously has to be checked on our end. Um, because sometimes when people re-register, there's a typo or something. So then it's like, okay, there's Jessica with a C, but then there's Jessica with an S and then it gets a little muggy right there. But typically with the information that's provided, especially um, when you're registering, you are um, providing a social security number or a driver's license mm -hmm. so we can really match people up that way. Mm -hmm. And we use um, the data in multiple areas. So like name, address, um, and any of the identification numbers that you provide um, all have to match basically. So if one doesn't, then it's going to be kicked out and be like, okay, this might be a duplicate and someone has to manually go in there and check it. And then also all the precincts for the elections have to stay up to date. So any new construction or um, something like that needs to be added into our system. So that's a whole entire other thing. I do know we as an office also work on petitions, which mm -hmm. come in semi-regularly. It just kind of depends on what's going on. And we manage those. And then um, on top of that, we also are a passport agency. So throughout the year, we're always taking appointments and we only stop <laughs> when elections happen. Because sure. um, during that time, all of our focus is basically on providing everybody the opportunity and the security to vote. I, I'm kind of curious a little bit about uh, what you mentioned uh, as far as, you know, upkeeping all these records in as straight as possible. Obviously, there's going to be you know, some yeah. <laughs> cracks here and there. But uh, do you find it throughout the year in Merced County and your work uh, in the last few years of Merced County? Do you find it that there's a lot of uh, mistakes that need to be corrected on an ongoing basis or no, or there's no pattern, just, you know, things that happen there's, that you mentioned? Yeah, there's no real pattern. It's just kind of something that um, I do know that we have one specific um, county employee who's full time and she manages most of the records um, mm -hmm. on her own. And she like on a daily basis will be going through that and making sure it's at zero. So it just kind of depends on, um, there's no real pattern to it. It just sure sometimes sure. happens. And I mean, we're all human and mistakes happen. Right. So. Right. I mean, not, not, not to the aspect that there's voter registration fraud. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, things that are, there are simple mistakes that mm, happen, you know, simple and, mistakes. And, and, Correct, correct. And one other question in that uh, aspect, Genevieve, is uh, being in Merced, and for those uh, who are in our uh, listening uh, to the podcast in different parts of the country, as uh, Palcas is a national organization, um, may not know a little bit about Merced County. Uh, I live in Tulare County, so not too far, mm -hmm. um, and I know just a little bit about it, but um, you have uh, one of the newest uh, University of California systems, so you see Merced. So, yeah. you know, how, how is that handled with the students going and coming as far as registering, although sometimes students don't register <laughs> as well as they should? Yeah. Uh, your generation hasn't been doing as great as we want it to be, but uh, hopefully that won't be the case this time. But um, 
how uh, how do you feel? I mean, how is that? Is that a, a little bit more of a task to manage, you know, the the students, the thousands of students that are UC Merced? Um, yeah. So I do know that we specifically reach out to the UC and we actually had a registration run or I forget exactly the terminology mm -hmm. that we used for that there. Um, we provide them with registration cards too um, in one of their departments specifically so that they can um, let students know to register so that they will receive their ballot and also going forward or I guess not really going forward because like right now uh, schools are not really being utilized for the upcoming election. Um, but in the last election, we have the provisional conditional um, ballot where if you're not registered um, in the county or if your information is wrong, you can technically re-register and vote at the same time. So then you are put into a different line basically to um, be able to update your information and vote. And then when it gets back to us, um, we log all the information on who's voting and you have to sign to indicate like, yes, I'm going to be voting provisionally, conditionally. And I believe I actually worked at the UC for the last mm -hmm. election and we had like 400 or 600 provisional conditional ballots that came back, which is extremely high <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. for us. And it was all students who were still registered in like LA County and all like all over the state basically. And they wanted to vote here so that their, their ballot would count or their vote would count. For that mm -hmm. election. So you deal with students who are basically maybe have come from out of state or from another area. They, that they have to be re-registered through, through you. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and in, in that aspect, um, so the register of voter, you, you said you reached out to UC Merced. Is there any other events that the county does to get folks motivated on it? Or is that done basically through the political parties and the organization, uh, community organizers uh, throughout? Or does the county itself have some kind of a program that reaches out to people and encourages them, especially especially the minority community, because there's a very strong yeah. minority community in the Merced area. Um, so we actually um, participate in events um, regularly throughout the year to do outreach, and we try to hit as many um, different organizations in a sense of um, demographically, like or culturally, mm -hmm. like who's running it. So like, I do know, like specifically for uh, Merced County, we do have a really high Hmong population. There is, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So there is actually a Hmong group and we would go to one of their events and we'll set up a booth and we'll advocate like registering to vote and being prepared for upcoming elections, um, participating even um, in the election itself, because we always are looking for people who are multi have uh, multiple mm -hmm. languages under their belts mm -hmm. to cover language needs, because I believe we have um, like six languages that we need to cover <laughs> during the mm -hmm. election for Merced County specifically. I think it's six now, because I know we had a language added on. Sure. 
is uh, the 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 Merced County is also correct me if I'm wrong, but it is also where uh, Hillmar is part of Merced County, isn't yes. it? Okay, so very strong Portuguese American for those uh, mm-hmm. who are following us in different parts of the country. It's the actually the the small city. It's a small city, but it's the city in the United States that has the biggest percentage of Portuguese Americans. Is Hillmar over thirty oh. percent? So, um, so Hillmar and and that surrounding area, Hillmar and uh, and Merced itself, and on all those areas, you know, also have a very strong Portuguese American community. Yeah. Uh, do you do you feel that uh, Portuguese Americans uh, participate? So what's your thought on that? I mean, not that we have any <laughs> a lot of data, but your thought, you know, being Portuguese from your dad's side. Yeah. So in my experience, I my T's and Q's um, don't typically participate in the elections, even though if they have become um, U.S. citizens, because I know not all of them did. Um, some of them even mm-hmm. moved back to the Azores over time. Um, but like my dad, he became a citizen in 2010 and he didn't actually vote till the last two years, truthfully. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it depends on the family and how, I don't want to say like Americanized they are, but like mm-hmm. me as a first generation, um, I grew up with parents who weren't involved and mm-hmm. I feel like once everything got like ramped up and people felt like it was more important to vote at that point in time, um, my dad actually has gotten very political and I'm surprised. But like all of my cousins, they vote all the time and they're also first generation um, mm-hmm. American as well. So okay. it's just kind of a hit or miss, I feel, depending on how your family is culturally. Sure. Sure. And, and you said that, um, so tell us a little bit about your family history. You said that your dad is an immigrant. Tell us a little bit about where where he came from and uh, and a little bit about your mom's side of the family. So a little bit of the, the, the cultural connection there. Okay. Um, so my dad is from the Azores and hopefully I say it right, but he's from Portal in uh Saint George. Saint George. Yeah. Yes, of course. Saint George. <laughs> and um, he said that he was born there, but he didn't spend too much time in Portal because then he moved to. I know the English translation like Dry Creek. You, do you know how to say that in Portuguese? Because if I hear it, I'm like, yeah, it's that place. <laughs> what is it? Which one? Uh, Dry Creek in in. So, oh, Ribeira Seca. Yeah, Ribeira Seca. There we go. Seca. I was like, I can't remember how you say it in Portuguese, but I know the translation. So he really grew up in that area. And um, he is the youngest of, I I don't know the number specifically, because I know not all of his siblings made it to adulthood, but um, he has approximately like 10 siblings, <laughs> including himself. And he's the baby. So a lot of his siblings um, were involved in a war that was in that was going on at the time when he was a kid. And at that point, um, his parents or my grandparents decided to move to America to get their children the opportunity to not have to uh, participate Mm -hmm. in that specific event that was happening over there. And how how old was he when he immigrated? When he immigrated, he was 10 years old. Okay. Okay. And so the others were all much older than him because he was a baby. So, and immigrated to where? To the Merced? Um, They came over to, not Merced, 
I, so like I know a large majority is in the Valley specific. Mm -hmm. Um, I have family in Turlock in Modesto um, and we've kind of spread out over time. Um, But basically in those areas, they they like settled. And so your dad married and uh, growing up, did you have contact with much with the culture? Uh, Because your mom, uh, from our conversation just before we started the, yeah. the recording, your mom is not of Portuguese background. She's, you know, European based, but of different ethnicity. So mm-hmm. um, being, you know, raised with a dad who was an immigrant at a very tender age, at the age of 10, I came over the same, the same age he did. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. And, um, and a mom who isn't uh, of Portuguese background. How, how were you, uh, were you raised with the, some, some of the culture or how did that happen? Yes. So I was raised with, um, the Portuguese culture. I went to festas. I participated in um, the parades as well at those um, with the queens and stuff. Like I personally wasn't a queen. A lot of my cousins were, or some of my cousins were. And um, I've even gone to like bullfights and like all of that. And I know even my tias and tios have become presidents of certain halls. So I think like Patterson and those areas for the Portuguese hall, they have. Um, been involved mm-hmm. heavily. And so um, being raised Portuguese, and as you mentioned, unfortunately, it's changed, as you said. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, the community hasn't been involved us politically. When I mean politically, I mean participating in the elections, mm-hmm. in the election processes, uh, and, and, and even, you know, in, in politics in general, as much as it, it, uh, it should in some aspects. Um, but um, how did you, how did you take an interest in this? Um, so... Honestly, I didn't have an initial interest in this kind of area because it was unknown to me. I I grew up without any kind of political um, conversations happening in our household Im- immediately. And um, at some point, I was working towards my bachelor's degree. That's what it was. My bachelor's in um, business management. And I was looking for an internship. And that's really how I got involved in the elections because I got my internship with Merced County and it's just, I kind of never left. (laughs) I really enjoyed um, learning about the whole process that they go through and the security that they provide for each voter so that they can, their voice can be heard. Mm-hmm. So you feel um, that it's that there is indeed uh, uh, there are indeed uh, lots of parameters that are put forth that uh, that one can feel safe about their vote. Yes, I do feel that way specifically for Mercer County. I cannot really say for any other sure. because I don't know um, mm-hmm. what exactly they do because every single one is slightly different. Uh, mm-hmm. But for Merced County, we have been. Pretty much, I, th- I know it's over uh, 75% is already all vote by mail. And with this upcoming mm-hmm. election, it's just the last 25%. So we've already been doing it for the past few years or even longer than that since I've, since I've been on. Sorry to interrupt, but you said so 75% is by mail? Yeah, over 75% of Merced County wow. is vote by mail or absentee, which we don't use the term absentee anymore for our county. Mm-hmm. Um, it is um, the all vote by mail. What do you, uh, what does your office attribute 
that too. Why is that that rate so high? I'm just curious. I honestly am not a hundred percent sure. I know everybody has their reason. Mm-hmm. For some people that I know that I talk to say it's that they're handicapped or like they're getting on in the ears and they're just not able to really go mm-hmm. out on their own. Like they don't have anyone available to take them to a voting center or a polling location um, from what I've heard with people requesting it. Um, and even some people are saying like, oh, well, I'm not even going to be in town at that point. I'm going to be in like Louisiana for the week. So I want to know if I can get my ballot forward to Louisiana so then I can still receive my ballot and send it back. So it just depends um, on what the reason is really. And, and Angela, Merced County is also a very, I mean, you have the city of Merced as, a, as a, Genevieve mentioned, we talked about Hillmar and a couple other areas, but it's a very rural county, like you know most of the Valley uh, counties. And it seems like in rural areas of California anyway, I think California has done a good mm-hmm. job, and this is uh, editorializing, but it's my opinion, that in California, rural counties have done a good job trying to get those folks who you know, don't need to drive 10 or 15 miles or 20 in some cases to vote. Right. So, I mean, you know, so it becomes, it becomes more of, um, becomes more of like a a need than a, than a luxury, you know, it's just, I mean, you know, uh, Hmm. you driving back and forth from where your ranch that you work or you own or whatever, uh, to a polling place, if you have to drive 20 or 25 miles each way, and then the time you lose, you know, there goes your full day. just about. And then basically once you get there, sometimes maybe everybody's there on one day. And then you might have to wait like two or three hours, depending on lines. Um, I know for us, we never really had to have anybody wait that long. But like I know in bigger counties, um, the wait time can go really high. <laughs> so when it comes to voting, um, uh, I think it's important since you work at, at, at such a, an important place for democracy, people in general, and as you said, you can't speak for their counties, but uh, people in general can feel safe about, uh, you would say that they can feel safe about voting and they can feel safe about voting by mail as well. You think so? Because it's in this election, it's going to be crucial. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we already have um, a process or um, procedures and security um, down for how this is already going to go. Um, and it's worked for the past few years that I've been here and I have never had any issues or seen any issues on our end with verifying the voter and making sure that their count, their vote counts. Right. That's really good to hear as I think there's, there are a lot of people that um, have concerns about that. Um, one thing yeah. I did want to ask those, you know, so Denise asked about your, the participation of your family as voters. I'm curious about your peers. So your young uh, you know, your friends, the people that you, mm-hmm. the media that you work with, um, and you yourself said that you initially weren't, uh, necessarily interested and, and then you became interested. What, what's the sentiment um, amongst your peers in terms of voting, wanting to participate and get involved, that sort of thing is, is, are you seeing it kind of change over the last couple of years or kind of stay the same? I'm just curious what, what that's been like. For my specific group of friends, it has changed slightly. Before, we did sometimes talk about it, but it wasn't one of those things that was like 
um, we need to make sure that everybody votes and like participate in the election. It was just like, oh, the election's coming up, like what's up? (laughs) And that was basically it like in the beginning um, when I got old enough to actually vote and along with my friends um, who are around the same age as me. And now since I got involved in like, I know so much more, um, I've been noticing that some of my friends are very, um, like they want to dedicate their time to actually learn about the candidate and not just look at a, a little sheet that says That's like, good. oh, I like this guy from this specific right. thing. Like people are participating and watching the debates and we'll talk about it and like have conversations and like, we don't always agree, but I mean, everybody has different opinions and different, um, can't even think of the word again. <laughs> viewpoints. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Viewpoints. And, and, um, like they think it, some issues are more important than others. Um, or priorities. That's the word I was looking for. Like their priorities are very different for what's important to them. But do you think, as D'Angelo's point, that uh, so your generation, the twenty uh, somethings right now, uh, are becoming a little bit more yeah. in tune with what's going on? Yeah, and I feel like um, people who are even pre-registering so people who are 16 or 17 since they can pre-register now um they are also feeling um that they are participating more too um because i do know that for us we have um uh, like a high school registration race um that typically Mm -hmm. happens every year and we try to see which school can get the most registration And I know in the past, like, two years, um, that number has been increasing. Do you feel that if folks are registered, they will tend to vote more? Is is there kind of a – I'm not aware of any data on that, but I'm sure there is. But um, so, I mean, obviously – uh, you 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 have these voter registration drives, as you mentioned, the one mm-hmm. that you you know working with the UC system, with UC Merced, working with the you know I'm sure you know uh, uh, the community college, and working of course with the high schools. Um, once people are registered, do they have a tendency to vote uh, a little bit more, or do you think there's some kind, and especially in young people in your generation, or do you think they register and then they forget to vote, which that happens with everybody, but, you know, uh, do you think that uh, once they register, young people will have will follow through, in your opinion? Um, I would say so. Um, I, I would only say uh, on that part that it really depends on if they move or not, because, like, once you move and if you don't update your registration, we don't know. Mm-hmm. You have to actually go out and update it yourself. So if you're in the same location for years and years, then like we're going to continuously send you stuff throughout um, the election so that you have your ballot and you have an information guide and um, any updates, like we'll send postcards and say like, oh, because of this reason, um, this is happening and so on and so forth. It just kind of depends. But like once you move and you don't update your information, we don't know where you went unless you reach out to an elections department, depending on um, if you move to a new county or if you just moved within the county. Like whatever we send to your old address will be sent back to us. And then you are now inactive because we were not able to reach you. Mm-hmm. I see. 
And um, as Angela mentioned also in the beginning of the podcast, um, so what would you say to those young people, um, your age, uh, your age group, the 20-somethings, uh, especially, and and and, uh, and even, of course, older or younger, but what would you say to young people? What would be your advice to kind of motivate them to get uh, a bit more involved? And if not a bit more involved uh, politically, that's up to them, obviously, but mm-hmm. at least to vote. How would, what, what, what would be your pitch for young Portuguese Americans who may be listening either in the West Coast, East Coast, or anywhere in between? What would be your uh, suggestion and what would you be your pitch uh, to try to get them to go out and do their, what I call their, their civic duty? I feel like, especially coming from a multicultural family um, that didn't per se participate in um, the elections early on in my life, um, really going forward and knowing that your vote really does count. Because even if you as a person go forward into the election to like voice your opinions and stuff um just because you're one of like millions of people um if there are other people that agree with you on certain views um Mm -hmm. you're not just one person anymore there's going to be more people that think just like you and it's one of those things where i don't like we as individuals would not know what you're thinking <laughs> if you don't actually voice it and participate in the election to vote. Okay. Well, that's a great advice for everyone, for the young people out there, please do votes and everyone <laughs> young, <laughs> old, and in between. Yeah, It's important right. to vote. Uh, it's important to exercise your civic duty. It's a, it's a, it's a privilege. There are people that have uh, died for it. There, there, uh, there are people still in many parts of the world that uh, cannot uh, still exercise uh, this uh, this thing that we take sometimes for granted. Mm-hmm. And um, and those, as uh, as uh, as you mentioned, Genevieve, you know, and those uh, who are of Portuguese uh, background, especially those whose parents, as Genevieve's dad, immigrated from uh, Portugal, from the islands of the Azores, from Madeira, um, you know, and just like Genevieve's dad and myself, we lived under a dictatorship. So we have a, a, a double take, actually, to uh, a double uh, uh, incentive to to vote because, um, you know, sometimes we take democracy for granted, but indeed, uh, you know, Portugal lived under almost 50 years under a dictatorship, and so we can happen anywhere in the world, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, um, Genevieve, thank you so much. Angela, I don't know if you have any other additional comments. Uh, if not, I think we're going to have a wrap pretty soon, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, just the uh, thank everybody for for participating. Thanks to all of our listeners out there who joined us for another episode of Politicus. If you have not hit subscribe, please do so now. Uh, And please share the link, share the podcast with family and friends, coworkers, uh, anyone that you think would be interested in this conversation, because it is through conversation that we really um, connect and educate each other and, uh, and, 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 you know, foster better understanding of the differing opinions and, and differing uh, perspectives. So, sure. um, and please, Angela, if I may yeah. add just for folks, sure. this, uh, information, uh, Merced County has kind of a, a record that a few other counties don't have right now in Merced County. There goes my voice. Merced County has a, um, um, 
two um, Portuguese-Americans on the Board of Supervisors, uh, Lloyd Barreira and Scott Silveira, whom you and I both know uh, well, and the uh, possibility of a third one, Josh Pedroso, was also running. So if indeed Josh gets elected, another Portuguese-American, um, uh, Merced County will have uh, three out of their five uh, uh, Board of Supervisors who are of Portuguese background, and that's just really awesome. There's only one other county in California that's had that, and that is uh, Kings County. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, Kings County right now has three uh, of their five Board of Supervisors who are Portuguese mm -hmm. background, uh, Neves, Fagundes, and Peterson. And um, it's kind of unique. It's, uh, I think, it, uh, it's unique to California. It's the only county that has a majority of Portuguese in, in their uh, Board of uh, Supervisors. And Merced County with two, if Josh gets elected, will be a third. So it's kind of a, yeah, another uniqueness for the state of California. So it's, uh, it's wonderful to see. And as uh, Genevieve mentioned, I think that it's important to vote because sometimes in in uh, a country where hundreds some odd million people vote, you may find that your vote doesn't count. But certainly in an election for a county where sometimes the winner wins mm -hmm. by 15 mm -hmm. or 20 votes, it sure does count. Very much, very much. That's a great point, Denise. And uh, something for our, us uh, Portuguese in California to be proud of, uh, to have that kind of uh, representation in, in a couple of different counties. So really great. Um, but yes, yeah, so we are at time and thanks everybody again. Have a wonderful afternoon and we hope to have you join us on another episode of Politicus in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of Palcus, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. Palcus is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about Palcus and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palcus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palcus.palcus.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palcus. Politicus is made possible through the support of the Luso-American Development Foundation.